Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRM. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome to I Communicate. I'm your host, Mark Altman. Happy to be with you here today. And uh, boy, what a fun topic we have today. I was reflecting on a lot of the articles I've been reading yesterday about how so many people are getting uh, some clarity on what they want for their life and their job and their business. And and I did a show a few weeks back about how your job can often become your identity. But something kind of resonated with me. You're, you're hearing about a lot of people who are either retiring early. You're hearing about people who are quitting because they're becoming disenchanted um, with the remote environment, with the way things are evolving from the pandemic. We're hearing about a lot of people who are deciding to go into business for themselves. And that seems to be a trend. And what I'm going to talk about today is the people who aren't getting the attention are the ones who are staying. And we're we're overlooking those people. And I was thinking about an anecdote. I was having a conversation with my brother the other day, and a great guy. Um, As a physician, um, he's wonderful with people. He's a professor, teaches students, and is... uh, routinely discussed as one of the best physicians in Massachusetts in the Boston area. and But we had an interesting conversation. We were talking about what our values were for family and spending time with one another as brothers, with our kids, as the larger family units. And one of the comments I made to him is I said, you know, Wayne, what's great about you is that I always know that if I initiate an interaction, I need help with something or I need support or I need, I need something – um, I know you'll drop everything you'll do, you're doing and you'll support me, which is wonderful. I said, however, if I don't initiate anything, I'll never hear from you. Unless it's for a family holiday or birthday or something, I don't ever really hear from you. Um, so when I really need something, you'll take your shirt off your back and be available, but otherwise I never hear from you, which he acknowledged. And the point of this is, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease, Right. We often, we often demonstrate aspects of our personality where when someone is in a time of need, we will prioritize them. But if someone isn't really complaining or speaking up for what they need and want, do we check on them? You know, you hear a lot of kids complain when they, grew, when they were growing up that one of their siblings was the problem child or needed more attention, and that's who the parents typically gave more attention to. Right, And that can create resentment because if I'm a well-behaved child who gets good grades, um, has good values, morals, and ethics, my behavior is consistently good, you don't have to worry about me, so you're not going to give as much attention to me. You're going to give more attention to the problem child or the problem – or not problem child, but the person – the child who needs more help, right? The same goes in the classroom. Who do we typically give more attention and love to? The kids who need the most help, Right? So think of the dynamic that's set up there, right? If you are crying for help, if you are actively saying, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is what I'm not getting, um, you get help. If you're someone at a company who has expressed displeasure, and by the way, I just went through this experience with a company where a very valuable female employee who was fed up with a lot of things gave her notice. 
And then all of a sudden, when when HR and their leadership realized how upset they were, they said, "Hold on, no, 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 no. We don't want we don't want to accept your notice." And so they asked her to stay and are starting to talk about what changes can be made. So all of a sudden, when she says, "I've reached wit's end," Now you're going to pay attention to me, and now you're going to give me help. So there is this dynamic in our culture where the squeaky wheel gets the grease, where we become very reactive when someone has, is fed up or has reached a point of such a level of sadness, anger, disappointment, we're going to hopefully give those people attention, which is a great thing, by the way. I'm not saying not to do that. But what about the others? What about the people who are left behind? What about the people that stick it out at a company and are loyal and are committed and have the work ethic? Well, what about them? Are we paying attention to them? You know, when you think about the different different conversations that take place in a company amongst human resources and leadership, you've got performance reviews. Many companies do this once a year. They give you a performance review. It's their way of saying, here's what you're doing well. Here's what you're not doing well. Here's where you need to get better. Here are your goals. And off we go and we wait another year. So I often coach leaders on how to have effective performance review conversations. Those extend into 360 reviews where the people who are typically being reviewed get to review their boss. So that's a whole other level of challenging conversation to have, an impactful one. Then you have something called exit interviews. When people are leaving a company, we want to have an exit interview. What can you learn? Why are you leaving? What did you like? What do you suggest we do better? Exit interviews give you insight to where the unhappiness lied within that person, within their department, within the company. So performance interviews, 360 interviews, exit interviews are all valuable discussions at a company. But the ones that need to start getting more attention are stay interviews. People who are staying, where is their mindset? Where is their engagement level? Where is their satisfaction level? Because I got news for everybody. What's happening right now is the marketplace for talent has shifted. You need to think of your employees as customers and start figuring out what do I need to do to retain those employees. I've spoken about this on the show before. You know, when companies call me up for training, they're often offering training reactively to problems existing at their company. It could be conflict. It could be poor leadership. It could be poor departmental communication and collaboration. It could be similar. We need you to come in and do training and coaching because we have a problem. Well, what about thinking about training and coaching as a retention tool? What about, thank you for your loyalty work and work ethic. We know you're going through so much during the pandemic. You may feel burnout. You may feel overwhelmed, a high level of stress because of all the evolving changes going on. What about rewarding the people who are staying and giving them some support and mentorship, right? And so when you look at what's going on in companies, right, here's what you typically see. Right, You see that a lot of effort is going into either hiring to backfill people who have left or hiring new people to support business growth. So you have three categories of people. You've got, we've got to replace the people that left. We've got to add more people because we're growing. 
But what about the people that aren't in those two buckets, the people that have been there, that are staying, that are committed and loyal? This is what I'm talking about. The U.S. Department of Labor said during April, May, and June, you ready for this? 11.5 million workers quit their jobs. 11.5. And it's not over. 48% of remaining employees are actively looking to make a change. Nearly 1.4 million more will do so in the next six months. So when companies talk about a culture and an environment where people want to work and want to stay, right? How about retention? What can you do to retain the employees you have? I don't think a lot of executives truly understand the cost of replacing somebody. You know, I spoke to an executive the other day who said to me, I asked, the, I asked this guy, I said, if you left the company, would it hurt your company? And his response was, no, everyone's replaceable. Well, that's true. Everyone is replaceable, but it's not easy to find someone who maybe is as good as what you have. Someone could do the job, but they may not do it as well as the person you're replacing. So it's understanding the cost in hiring, the cost of recruiting, the cost of interviewing multiple people, the labor hours that go in, the cost of onboarding and training someone and getting them up to speed and doing that job. Why aren't we spending more time focusing on retention and giving people the support and guidance they need, right, to be happy and feel like they're not left out and left behind. It is your job as the leader to make sure your teammates are getting the recognition they deserve. Your team, getting the, they're, they're feeling appreciated. They're feeling gr- that you have a lot of gratitude. And I'm going to share an epiphany before we go into our first break that I had the other day. So my son... Uh, was diagnosed as COVID. Luckily, he's doing well. He's some mild symptoms. So he was telling me that his girlfriend has been texting him each day to check on him, see if he needs anything, how's he doing, and so on and so forth. I thought, isn't that wonderful? And as a parent, I was about to say to him, you know, I would hope so, almost to diminish the nice thing his girlfriend is doing. And for the first time in my life, I realized something. I thought, wait a minute. Yes, I would want my children, my three children, to have a significant other that would be checking on them and caring about their needs and being supportive, just like I would expect my children to do that for their partner. But just because I would have that be a minimum standard for a good, loving partner, it doesn't mean you can't be grateful for it. So I thought to myself, I said, hey, Cole, why don't you, next week, make a card for her or bake her some cookies or something just to show that you're appreciative that she was checking on you. And it made me realize a core value of leadership. So often in leadership I hear, what do you want me to recognize people for? Well, I want you to recognize them for their job. Well, I'll appreciate them when I see something worth appreciating. Well, them coming to work every day, doing their job, fulfilling their job responsibilities Uh, Just because it's not above and beyond in your mind doesn't mean you can't still appreciate them. They are meeting your expectations. 
So if you have standards and expectations that are baseline, foundational, bare minimum expectations, if someone meets them, instead of looking at it and saying, well, that's what they're supposed to do anyway, that's their job, how about saying thank you very much for consistently doing what is expected of you and being appreciative? So that's, that's, that's a, a, an effort. That's a way to retain people by showing your appreciation and gratitude for even just doing their job. So we come back from the next segment. I'm going to get into more about why these stay interviews are difficult and don't often happen. For Mark Altman, this is I Communicate. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, we're back. We're talking about the people that stay behind, you know, and giving attention to those people that are staying and sticking it out at your company and are loyal and committed and hardworking. And so why don't these stay interviews take place? Why don't team leaders and HR people on a consistent basis, consistent being, I don't know, every three months, every six months, something along those lines, sit down with people and understand, why do you stay? Why is it worthwhile for you to stay? Well, you might not always like the answer you get, right? Because part of the problem is some people may say they stay because they need the money. They need a job. They need to support their family. And you know what? To me, as a leader, I'd be ecstatic if I got that answer. And you know why? And this may surprise you because that would tell me that they're not necessarily loving their job and engaged in their job. Because if their first answer is out of desperation, then you've got someone that may leave when they get a better offer, if they get a better offer. Now that person may be not want to be uncomfortable and even start looking for another offer because they may not see the grass is greener. But at the end of the day, you've just gotten some clarity. You've just found out from that employee that their default answer was they need a job. And that's, that's what they see about the job. And if I was a leader and I got that answer, I would say, wow, I understand. I totally get that. I, I would like you to be happier, though, and more engaged. I mean, more than just because you have to stay. I want you to love it here. I want you to see this company as a great opportunity that offers you an opportunity for growth that recognizes and appreciates your hard work and efforts that shows gratitude that is motivating to you to come to work and wake up every day and enjoy your job. Now look, you can't guarantee to, to solve every problem for them. I, I, I'm not proposing that you go from zero to 60 and you're going to take them from only wanting to be at the company because they have to stay to they're going to be your most engaged, happy star employee, but you can start the path. You can take some incremental steps now that you've gotten the clarity to know that they're not totally happy with where they're at. And this is a challenge leaders face. Leaders struggle often to ask open-ended questions because they're afraid of what they might get as an answer. I often use this anecdote in training when I talk about motivation. So if someone on your team has, let's say, exceeded expectations in this case, and you want to do something for them, 
Imagine saying to this employee, boy, I got to tell you, Jim, you've been doing an amazing job and I'd like to do something special for you. What can I do for you that would make you feel special? Well, think about that question. What can I do for you that makes you feel special? Well, what if the answer is something the leader can't deliver on? They want an extra two weeks vacation. They want a brand new company car. They want to leave work at uh, 12 o'clock every Friday. By asking someone an open-ended question to understand how they're motivated and how they feel appreciated doesn't commit you to doing what they're suggesting. It just means you're open to hearing what they're suggesting. And it gives you a baseline starting point. That's all. So part of doing a stay interview is wondering why people stay. What motivates you to come to work every day? Why are you passionate about our company? Why are you passionate about the people you work with? Why do you enjoy working with our customer base, our products, our services? These are all stay questions. And you may be very surprised what you hear. The problem is that can you get people to tell you the truth? When I talk about where conversation intelligence meets emotional intelligence, it's the cross-section that creates an environment of psychological safety. What does that mean? I mean, that's just a big fancy phrase, psychological safety. What it means is you're trying to create an environment where people feel safe to tell you the truth without fear of judgment, without fear of holding a grudge or consequences, without fear that you're going to argue with them. That's, that's, the, that's one of the most high-level leadership skills you can have. So, frankly, if you can get people to tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear, you've already earned an A- minus just because you got, they've trusted you enough to tell you the truth. Now, keep in mind that a lot of people, if you ask them, why do they stay, why do they love your clients and, and, and the company, they might not have an answer because it may be a blind spot for them. Maybe they haven't thought about it in years. They don't know why. They didn't think anybody cared enough to even bother thinking about it. So part of creating psychological safety is understanding when you spring this kind of discussion on someone, they need time to gather their thoughts for self-reflection. So what I often coach people to do when it comes to stay interviews is send them your questions ahead of time so they can give it some thought. So when they get in that conversation, they're not caught off guard by the depth of these questions. But, you know, creating psychological safety, creating a comfort level where they feel like they can speak their truth without fear of repercussions, that's huge. And then I often hear at companies, I'll hear when people suddenly quit and people are like, I didn't even know you were upset. Well, shame on you. If you're losing people and you didn't really understand their level of engagement, satisfaction, happiness in the first place, then you weren't doing your job. Sorry, you weren't. Now, that's a little unfair in black and white because, let's face it, some people won't speak up no matter how comfortable they are because they've convinced themselves it doesn't matter. Why bother? Nothing's going to change. We've seen that a lot during the pandemic, this why bother resignation mindset. Nothing's going to change. 
Maybe, maybe when you've asked for change in the past, you didn't do it in the most effective way. Maybe you complained instead of made a request. Maybe you were frustrated and agitated and really didn't set up a successful conversation. But let's remember, right, that these kinds of conversations, first, you have to have built trust so people feel like com- they're comfortable telling you the truth. Second, you have to give them an opportunity to reflect on these questions because they're not easy questions. It requires some introspection and self-reflection. Third, you have to listen to understand, not to listen to problem-solve. You may not be able to solve all their problems. You may not be able to solve any of their problems. But your bare minimum requirement for that conversation is to listen to understand and listen empathically. That's the foundational bare minimum, even if you can't solve any problems. Let them talk. Let them be heard. Let them see that you care enough to know that because they're working so hard and they're staying behind and they're loyal to your company, that you are a sounding board. You are an ear that will listen, that will have their back, that will advocate for them. So when we come back for our next segment, we're going to talk about how modeling behavior and potential factor in to employee retention and stay interviews. For I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. I am Mark Altman, uh, founder and head of learning and development for Mindset Go. Mindset Go is about being a confident and effective communicator, ultimately being an influencer, being an emotionally intelligent communicator that recognizes what you can control, what you can't control, and what you actually can influence. And what you can influence is situations, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And so when you get in that resignation mindset that I referred to in our last segment, well, why speak up? Why bother? Nothing's going to change. Well, I've got a lot of questions to ask you if you have a resignation mindset. And it's going to be around, have you controlled everything you can control? Have you used your skills to influence the situation? Do you not have the skills you would need to influence the situation? And perhaps that's why things haven't changed. So that's what we're talking about at Mindset Go. We work on leadership. We help with communication. We help with sales, culture, etc. So I talked before the break about having these stay interviews and the various factors that go involved, and now we're talking about modeling behavior. You know, here's the thing about modeling behavior. You know, when when you say you lead by example, that implies people see the examples you're setting. It also implies that people only see the good examples you're setting and not the bad ones. We all have habits and behaviors we need to do better. If you are the kind of boss that never shuts down, is working long hours. Yes, that is my ringtone for a big football fan. I digress. 
but we're talking about working long hours. If you're the kind of boss that has high standards, high expectations, and you're modeling work ethic by a quantity of hours, you are modeling a behavior. You may have people on your team that are burning out and that have a high level of overwhelm because they're trying to keep up with you. And so your intention is not to do that in many cases, I'm sure, but I bet in some cases it is because you equate quantity of work with commitment. So the problem is, if that's the culture of the environment, the behavior you're modeling, okay, then if people see themselves as stressed, burned out, and overwhelmed, they may not want to stay because they can't live up to the standards and expectations. And I have news for the leaders out there. I've heard this from so many clients that people will say, you know, when I want to set boundaries or when I want to set and manage expectations, I'm worried that if I speak up that I won't be seen as a team player, that I won't measure up to my teammates. I had a client last week who said one of the women in the, in the training, it was for a client services team, and she said, I don't think that, and she said this right in front of the team. She said, I don't think my teammates like me very much because I work long hours and based on my productivity levels, I feel like I make them look bad. And I feel like the boss makes, holds them up to a standard because he sees how hard I'm working and that's not my intention. And she was being authentic. I get it. But that's an example of even modeling behavior within the team. So maybe you as the boss aren't even doing that. But maybe there's some people on the team who are working around the clock and, and submitting a certain quantity and commitment level of work, and everybody feels like they need to measure up. So this is what I mean about modeling behavior and how it can contribute to someone's wellness in the workplace, mental health, engagement level, satisfaction level. Now, I'm not proposing you tell everybody to not work as hard. I'm not proposing you become a lax leader. I'm proposing you become self-aware of the mindset and perception people have on your team and understand if it's becoming detrimental. I'm asking you as a leader, if you become aware that it's detrimental, to perhaps change some of your habits to model the behavior so you can increase the wellness in mental and emotional and physical health of your team and stop having them try to meet these expectations or perceived expectations. Not only behavior is tricky, like there's a lot of pieces to it, right? You know, when I think about stay interviews, one of the aspects of a stay interview is about potential and possibility. What do I mean by potential and possibility? Well, we're often being reactive. Remember what I said in the beginning of the show, I talked about, when we do 360s or performance in, performance reviews, right, or exit interviews, we're trying to figure out after the fact what went wrong. Well, in a stay interview, the one thing is, why would you stay? What appeals to you about the company? Well, here's something that's a critical question. It's, it's focusing on potential and possibility. What do you envision or what excites you about your goals, your long-term vision for yourself in the company, right? Ask them about their vision. Ask them about, let them, let them peer into the future. A lot of people struggle to peer into the future because they're having a hard enough time getting through the present. I mean, I'm one of these people where if someone says, you know, hey, can you do something next month? 
I'm like, honestly, let me get through this month and then I can think about next month. There's a lot of you out there that can relate to that. How can we think about the future when we're just getting by in the present? We're coping day to day. You know, it's a, it's a mindset, you know? And, and, and so, so the mindset is if you're sitting down with someone and you're asking uh, about what they think they can do in the future, what the future looks like for them, you're shifting their mindset. That's a big thing. So, you know, so much of uh, happiness, personally, professionally, is mindset. Now, what about this? What about making it okay to leave? Think about that. Clarity equals kindness. If you have a conversation with someone, and you can tell they're just not invested anymore, they've checked out, they don't, they don't want to stay well, maybe that's that's good that you found that out because maybe you're going to save a lot of heartache down the road. Maybe by having them leave and helping them find another job or opportunity, maybe they were negatively contagious to the rest of the team because they had a bad attitude, they had checked out, they were overwhelmed. And you know what? It goes back to what I said in the last segment. Leaders would be worried if that was the conclusion. Even though that would provide clarity, leaders are thinking, Are you kidding me? I've already got to replace people that left. I'm trying to hire new people for growth. And now you want me to add something extra to my plate in case I find out somebody wants to leave? Are you crazy? I've already got 10 problems. You want me to create an 11th one for myself by getting clarity and finding out if the employee really wants to stay? Yes. You know, I, I made the analogy in the first segment. I said, when I sit down with executives and I say, what do you think the cost of replacing an employee is? Well, like I said, it's recruiting time. Maybe you hire an outside firm that's you're paying to recruit the, the recruiting. It's the all the interviews. It's all the assessments. It's the multiple candidates you're choosing between. The labor, onboarding people. I said this before. Well, what do you think the cost is for having someone stay when they don't even want to be there? That influences culture. That influences employee engagement in your team. In your mindset as a leader, because do you really want to help someone who doesn't even want to be there? Probably not. It probably demotivates you. So, yeah, finding out if someone wants to leave, that's a good thing. Because the associated problems with someone staying when they've checked out and become disengaged and possibly very negative, it's high. Now, look, when we come back for our final segment... As a listener, this is what I want you to think about. How do you give people the respect and attention they deserve? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about people who stay, feeling appreciated, attended to, respected. So how do you do that? How do you give employees that? Well, there's three steps to creating that culture. And when I come back, I'm going to take you through the three steps, and I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. For I Communicate, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Now, 
Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate for our final segment. As we went into break, I talked about giving people the respect and attention they deserve. Make them feel respected, attended to, appreciated. So I said there's three keys to this. One is, you ready for this? Re-recruit them. Now, I wanna, I'm going to share, before I get into this, I'm just going to share something really quick. What about someone who has a mindset of, well, I don't really need to do all this because, frankly, there are not a lot of jobs out there with, that provide this opportunity. So if they really want to leave, good luck. What about the mindset of, you know what, I know they're happy. They've been here for a long time. They're not going to go anywhere. So I'm not going to invest a lot of time in this. Well, that's complacency, and that, those are assumptions. And we know what assuming does. I hope you know what assuming does. So I want you to think about this differently. Re-recruit them. Number one, re-recruit them. What does that mean? Spend time to understand their motivations and ambitions. There are so many people where you're hired and you start working for someone and they never understand what motivates you. They assume it's money. They assume it's more time with your family. And it may be those things. Maybe They may be some of those things. But to ask someone what really motivates you, what are your, what is your goals, what are your goals and what are your long-term visions, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Understand what drives people, what motivates people, what creates a mindset of a happy, engaged, productive employee. The second part of re-recruiting is a lot of people lose sight of how they're contributing to the organization. They don't, they don't see they're putting out fires all day. They're being reactive and responding to emails. They don't feel like they're working on their core responsibilities or focus areas. And so they don't even know how they've lost it. They've lost why they took the job in the first place because they were passionate about the mission and vision of the company and the role they were playing in the success of that company. Well, it's time to remind them how they're impacting, the way they've impacted, and how you see their impact moving forward. Like, that's a huge part of re-recruitment. And the last piece of re-recruitment is, have these be scheduled, ongoing conversations. You don't need to do them every week. You don't need to do them every month. But having a 30-minute check-in every quarter to just touch base and see if anything's changed about their job satisfaction level, their engagement level, where their head's at, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't hurt. It shows a commitment and investment you're making in people who are staying. Now, number two, reward them. Well, we just talked about understanding people's motivations and ambitions. So it could be that the way you've rewarded and appreciated people in the past is not the same way they want to be rewarded and appreciated moving forward. So whether it's money, whether it's accountability, But it's about self-awareness. Recognize. Don't become complacent. Recognize that people are constantly evolving. Companies are constantly evolving. We can't stop evolution. We can't stop change. So people's hopes, dreams, goals, needs, wants are always evolving. So when it says reward them, understand, has anything changed? 
You may be giving them the standard raise. I, you know, I hear a lot of senior level executives say all the time, I don't know what else to do. I give them great benefits. I give them the salary they want. They have the vacation time they want, and they're still not happy. Right, because you don't understand what's going to make them happy. And before anybody emails me or calls me about this, yes, I understand you can't. There's certain people in the world you cannot make happy. I get that. Everything I teach and coach and train is around situational awareness. None of these things are going to work 100% of the time. But the point is, if you find yourself saying, no matter what I do, it doesn't make them happy, maybe the mindset needs to shift to, I'm not quite sure I've ever asked what will make them happy. There's a huge difference. And when you say, I'm not sure anything will make them happy, you make it all about them, that they're high maintenance. They have all these high demands and requests that you've done everything you could to satisfy, but it's not enough. As opposed to having a courageous conversation to understand what it is exactly they want. I mean, it's a huge shift in mindset. And last but not least, engage them. Right? I talked earlier in the show about what do people need and want. You know, a lot of people would like coaching and training, but they're afraid to admit it. A lot of people like coaching and training, but they're, they know they could use it, but they can't articulate exactly why. I mean, they may say, I need to be a better communicator. I may need to be a better leader. But even if they can kind of articulate it, they don't necessarily know what the benefits are to being better at it. When you give feedback to someone, and I'm gonna, this, this to me is such a simple, perfect example. If you give feedback to someone, and you're giving, you feel like you're giving positive feedback, and you say you're really doing a good job with blank, but I really need you to work harder on blank, they're only going to hear the negative from the butt. So if you as a leader became a better communicator and were more detail-oriented with your communication and your choice of words, what's the return on investment for that? Um, A higher retention rate? a more engaged and productive team, and you're building trust with your team, which is the most important thing to accomplish. That's the return on investment. So a lot of people have blind spots. They, they, they know they need coaching. They know they need training. But they're not sure necessarily why. They're not sure even if they did it, how they would benefit. Um, There's a lot of ways you can motivate your employees. It's important to understand the intrinsic motivation of people. What is it internally that ties them to the vision and mission of the company? What motivates them to come to work? I talked a minute ago about the impact and the direct contributions they're making. People need to know they're cared about, they're supported, and they're included When your focus area at a company is on investing a lot of time in replacing previous people who have left or been fired, hiring new people to grow, and you're not investing the same, if not more, energy on the people who have stayed, that's a problem. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I read posts on LinkedIn all the time of people 
boasting about a story of how great their company culture is, where people give actual examples of why their company culture is so great and how they're cared for. And when they're having a mental health challenge or an emotional breakdown of sorts, and when the boss comes up to them and says, take as much time as you need, we want to make sure you're happy and healthy. seems so simple, right? But it isn't because now I'm going to be without that employee for one, two, or four, or however many weeks. Well, we can't afford to be without employee. Well, what's your priorities? Is doing right by the people that have stayed? Is making people feel loved, supported, included, wanted? Yes, that should be at the top of the list. That's what this show is about. It's about lifting people up. It's about Mindset Go, the vision and mission of Mindset Go is giving people the tools, helping them build the confidence and providing them the resources they need to become happier, healthier, more confident, and more skilled in the workplace. My company is called Mindset Go for a reason. It wasn't an accident. It was intentional. Your mindset guides everything. Having an intentional mindset to convert knowledge to action, trying to doing, changing to evolving, Like, this is what I talk about when I say mindset. So, as a leader, as someone that is directly relating and contributing to the retention of not just your team, but others at the company, what can you influence? What can you control? What can you proactively do to increase the retention rate at your company and make people excited and fired up to come to work and stay at work? and stay at the company, and be prideful. So that's going to do it for today. I am Mark Altman for iCommunicate. If you want more information on the executive coaching training we do at Mindset Go, the number is 978-793-1159. Otherwise, you can email at info at mindsetgo.com. Have a wonderful week, and remember to be an emotionally intelligent communicator. been listening to i communicate with your host mark altman join us again each week at this time on full service radio wcrn 103.5